You only have two options yourself, or me, I remember telling her. But why would you choose yourself? Well, I suppose you'll find out soon enough. But still, I'd continued. She lived in the distant future, technology had advanced so that she, amongst a select few of the remaining population of Earth, could create perfect copies of themselves by using brain scans to record clips from their memories and replicating their personalities. This was done through a holistic scanner built over her bedsit, next to her ironically outdated light bulb, that observed her brainwave functions throughout the night. As well as this, it constantly updated the carbon copy it reproduced in the portal chamber with her dreams, effectively keeping a metaphysical dream diary by itself. Her bedroom was perfectly accommodated to these futuristic functions over the years, it had changed in terms of setting from a dilapidated, grungy mess to a high-tech facility. Aside from this, you are probably wondering why there were hundreds of old bird feathers lying in the street, why I have described them as the consumption, and who I and she are. I can answer the first two of these pertinent questions, but the final two are left up to you to work out. She did not sleep well that night in fact, she did not sleep at all. The constant flapping noise from the birds outside her window kept her awake. Her stomach rumbled as she lay in her flotation tank, restless. She had only eaten what was left of her meager reserves tins of old spaghetti hoops and the like. The hunt had not been fruitful that day she had failed to get her hands on any birds to bring home and cook for a proper meal. She had no money on her dresser had no use for either of them. If she did, though, she would probably spend it on food and better hunting gear. Those with enough money had migrated Earth before the War of the Sky which is what the remaining survivors refer to the historical event of Earth's birds becoming infected with a mad cow-like disease, causing them to attack bystanders without bias, had had a chance to affect them, infecting their crops and killing off their food supply. As a result, the remaining inhabitants took to the streets, the beaches, the gullies and the deserts to stage a mass culling of the birds in question, in an attempt to rebuild the world's infrastructures. However, not knowing of the disease with which the birds were infected, many of the survivors grew ill and, eventually, passed away, leaving the remaining survivors at a very low total, hence the utilization of previously undiscovered technology and the creation of nanocarbon copies to provide people with company and entertainment. People did not realize, though, that these copies would one day turn on them. And the events that I am describing now, are from now the year 2156. So. To get you up to speed, the year is 2156, Earth has been vacated of human beings, save for a few remaining wild survivors, and the war of the sky has caused Earth's key food resources and economy to dwindle and has left birds as the only feasible means of sustenance. Now that we are on the same page, I can continue with the story. Her means of and will for survival were growing thin. The ongoing war meant that Earth no longer had a stable economy, not that it was ever stable beforehand, and so she was out of work. Since there were no bills to pay, she spent most of the time tinkering with the space-age technology in her lab and room. She had a pet goldfish before it was plucked out of its bowl by a hungry seagull, and she now considers her carbon copy clone as her closest friend and or relative. She lives in an undisclosed flat in an unknown city in Europe so she despises forward slash loathes forward slash is resentful of them and their ways. In terms of snow, the ground is always so thick with bird feathers that it constantly reminds her of winter. She also grew up without any schooling, formal or otherwise, but instead learned to read and write through the use and adaption forward slash engineering of the universe's advanced technology. 
her carbon copy always brought her new information from the world as the war of the sky unfolded. However, one day her copy had not done so. So, she came to the conclusion that the war was over, or at least had slowed, and that it would be safe to venture outside of her apartment. This was far from accurate. In fact, the culling was at its peak as she stepped out into the chaos. Of course, she tried to turn on her heel and go back inside, but the fire exit door had slammed behind her and, unfortunately for her, she had misplaced her swipe card for the building. She looked around in exasperation and headed for the other side of the street this was in an even worse way with the feathers effectively forming a dirty white blanket over the sidewalk. The rain, which started as a trickle, eventually turning into downpour, did little to clear a path for her, instead mulching the feathers into unfathomable shapes and textures. Not trying to shift through the sludge, she climbed to the top of the, effectively derelict, building and climbed in through the open skylight, shattering her ancient light bulb in the process. Upon landing with a heavy grunt back in her room, she engaged in a heated argument with her clone, interrogating her as to why she had failed to give her any updates on the happenings of the birds. After the conflict, she uninstalled her clone from her memory through sheer anger and tried to adapt to life during the war without the company of her digital reflection. However, she is not well suited to this life and, becoming lonely, attempted to reinstall her clone. It did not work. She becomes dejected and starts wandering the streets, half searching for clues of other survivors with similar clone problems and half hoping that she would be attacked by the birds and die. Yet, as she turned the corner of a side street leading to her building, her clone, through some absurd technological miracle, reinstalled itself in her brain and she survived the latest vicious bird attack and made it home safely. The clone reveals to the female her identity. It also tells her there are wider forces in outer space trying to manipulate her decisions through space transport amongst many other means. That's when I came along. I told her I was responsible for her clone's malfunctions and that I had a male counterpart clone installed in my brain, too. In fact, it turns out that me and her go back a long way to before the war. We worked this out by looking at and comparing the memory reels from each of our clones. We ended up getting back together and, to this day, we strive to preserve ourselves and the human race throughout the course of the war by using stealthy hunting techniques, saving survivors with broken clones and helping those who are lost, to name but a few ways. There are, effectively, two of me. The me from my past life, and the current me, reincarnated and searching for the remnants of my former self. I wouldn't say I was particularly faithful to her. Before I arrived on Earth, I'd had numerous partners. Too many. All my screwing around led to less time to gather the fuel for my spaceship and the mind control technology necessary to keep her in check. Anyway, I prefer Earth's local cuisines. Trust me, fried seagull is better than that green goo they sold at the markets up there. Before coming to Earth, I was what was known as an alterniversity student a disciple of the ever-growing legion of knowledge. My current quest, s, have, sadly, halted this part of my life. I used to spend my studying hours paranoid that Space Force, and other authorities, would catch up to me they had been tailing me for a number of years. As you can imagine, this led to me becoming extremely paranoid. In terms of my personal life, I remember having a pet gerbil and that my parents were kind. I lived just outside Mastropolis, the capital city of Mars. I hated cities. There was never any snow in our part. When I came to Earth and seen the state of the consumption, it reminded me of the snow from my past life on Earth.
I was young, at school. Class had just ended, and it was snowing outside, some of the boys had started a snowball fight with each other. I didn't want to get involved, but I got roped into it by a few of the older students. I was picked on during the fight they used to call me Billy No Name. It all seems so fresh and vivid. Remember how you wanted to ask me earlier who I am and who the unnamed, unknowable female was? Well, this partly answers why I wasn't going to tell you I'd made it my prerogative to keep her identity anonymous until after the war. And how do I know I can even trust you with these minor details? There's no telling who might find this diary, or who might be lurking out there looking to steal our clone's memories.